You're listening to the Kenny James Audio Experience, live from Broadcast Center. Here's Kenny James. Hey, I just wanted to tune in before the show starts to let you know that I've launched BetterMoneyGoals.com. It's a personal finance website that provides great tips and tricks on how to maximize your money. Because the truth is, you only live once. Why not live well? Now, let's get this show started. Let's get motivated. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? This is the Kenny James Show, direct and in full effect. Visit KennyJToday.com. Hey, guys. I want to welcome you to the Kenny James Show. This is season two, and it's the money season. The goal is to help you live your best financial life. And in order to do so, I'll be bringing to the table some of the world's top power players in business, finance, and media. This season, I'm also launching BetterMoneyGoals.com, a personal finance website that provides tips and tricks on how to maximize your money. I'm also introducing Better Money Goals segments, which are episodes exclusively dedicated to personal finance and wealth creation. One way that I like to level up my money game is by educating myself on a variety of things. I don't often have the time to sit down and read a book, so I typically opt for listening to an audiobook. It's a great way to listen and learn. If you haven't done it before, you can try it out with Audible. They have thousands of titles to choose from. Just click on the link in the episode description or visit BetterMoneyGoals.com. Either way, you'll get 30 days for free on me. With that being said, I am thrilled to introduce a person who attracts money in his sleep, y'all. But first... Take a listen. Malcolm Harris, better known as MJ, leads one of America's largest African-American-owned financial services firms. His company, National Care, is a premier insurance brokerage platform providing services from life insurance, wealth management, and so much more. MJ has been featured by Oprah Winfrey, USA Today, Black Enterprise, The Huffington Post, and Ebony Magazine. He has received numerous awards and national recognition for his dedication and commitment to consistently beating the odds and achieving success. Please help me welcome to the Kenny James Show and the Better Money Goal segment, Malcolm M.J. Harris. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Excited to be able to welcome you so that way we can talk about a few things that's been on my mind. First, let's start with what got you to that point of wanting to step out on your own. Well, if I'm being 100% transparent, it was um, a total disdain from working for working in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wish I could tell you that I created a business because I wanted to be rich or that I wanted to be my own boss or all these other things that attract so many people to entrepreneurship. That was not my story. Those are certainly byproducts that came out of the experience. My story was so similar to so many other people's story. Getting up early in the morning to go into a job where I felt underappreciated and underpaid and realizing that I wasn't the only one who had this experience and that I was not going to be able to change not just the corporate culture of my company on a micro level, but corporate culture on a macro level. Corporate America is what it is. And unfortunately, for a lot of people, for varying reasons, rather, it's because of 
their skin color, sexual orientation, or just their own personality. They may not ever be a fit for corporate America, and I realized that for myself. So what I made a choice to do was I made a choice to find a path for myself that could allow me to have financial freedom, that could allow me to be able to have independence, and also would allow me to kind of live my life on my terms. And for me, insurance was the path that I found, and I'm so grateful. I've never looked back since then. I'm at this point, have almost 5,000 folks who have joined our team and committed to working to create their own unlimited financial future with us as their partner. And I remember reading something or hearing something to where I believe you said it was your grandma that influenced you to get into the insurance game. Is that correct? That is 100% the truth. So my (laughs) grandmother, um, when you see my grandmother, she is probably no more than a good 5'2", 5'3". Back when I was a child, she had, I swear, any any wig that they made, she had them, honey. She would give you a different (laughs) look every day. And she is the most Southern Texan you can ever imagine. Everything she says has God bless you in it. And she could sell you your own shoelaces. Mm. And one of the things I saw within my grandmother was I said, this woman is sharp. She's charismatic. Everyone loves to be around her. She seems to be stress-free. And she never seems to be going to a job. Mm. And I never connected the dots. You know, until finally, years later, when I was working in corporate America, she said to me, why don't you get an insurance license? So that's what I've had all these years since 1981. And she says, and that's why I've always been just fine. That's why grandma's so well off. She says, you're good. People like talking to you. You like helping people. Why not do it here? And so she was the person that opened that door for me and was really my first business advisor. She taught me how to form my insurance agency to get out the gate. Now, at this point, I've grown so big that I think that the scope of what I do exceeds even her expertise, but she was the one who got that ball rolling. That leads me to building national care. As you heard in my intro there, one of the largest African-American-owned insurance agencies and financial services groups. So tell me a little bit about um, national care. Like, what was the process behind it? Yeah, yeah. I started at my dining room table. I had a little $89 tier one dining room table. Mm. Uh, and I remember that because I was, I was very worried when I had to swipe my card to buy it. Or, well, I have enough money left over. National Care initially just started off as a little agency that was supposed to be for me, my brother, and my grandmother agreed to do business with us too. And one of our colleagues, because my brother had his insurance license and we were, we had a colleague who worked for the same insurance carrier that we both started out with. And it was just supposed to be an agency for us, you know, for us to get started and work through so we had some independence. All of us had goals to be financially independent and so on. What I very quickly realized when creating my business was that there were so many systemic barriers within the industry that I thought limited people's ability to truly be successful. Things like making people jump through 85 billion hoops just to be paid a nice commission rate. Mm. Things like allowing people to do business from home, you know, with, um, I mean, electronically rather than going door to door, having to meet with people in person, which is really important if you're trying to do insurance part-time or you're a parent, you don't always want to have to go meet people in person. Proper training and guidance and things of that nature. I just recognize that that really wasn't out there all in one place. So what I simply made a commitment to do was I said, I'm simply going to identify what are the areas that exist within each large insurance group out there that could use some improvement. And I'm going to build my business model around being the, being the best version of those improvements. I kind of just said, if, if I could take the best practices and the lessons learned from their businesses and create a business out of it, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. And so I offered people 
extremely high commission rates. I'm almost double. My starting commission rate for a lot of my carriers is double that of a lot of my competitors. Mm. Um, I kept my own overhead low so that I could afford to do that. And I focused on growing in quantity. So one of the models we used to talk about in the beginning was we said, we are not here to be Louis Vuitton. Mm. We are here to be Walmart. And when I say Walmart, um, that is speaking, I know people have different feelings about the, the retailer. You know, I always tell people, put your feelings aside about the retailer and let's think about the business yeah. here. From the point of view of that, we are going to not make a huge margin. Walmart doesn't make a huge margin on a lot of the products they sell, but they sell a lot of products, so they mm-hmm. make more money. So we said, let's make a smaller margin by paying people tons of commissions and allow that to allow us to grow significantly bigger. And that's what happened. Taking that aspect of being strategic in business, right? Because you have to be strategic and you have to think about how am I different from my competitor in order to really gain space in the marketplace. There's a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck. Let's just be honest. You know, I love throwing out the figure that 46% of Americans would struggle to cover an unexpected $400 expense. Transitioning, in a sense, from living paycheck to paycheck to creating an insurance empire. Why insurance is important, first off well why should people have insurance policies well i think that life insurance because we you know there are many types of insurance we focus as a company on life insurance and various related products and i'll tell you that it's so important um for the core reason that if uh, if we don't all have any one thing in common what we do have in common is that we're all going to die just to put it as bluntly as possible and when that day comes you know i always say there's nothing worse than i said the only thing that's worse than a sad widow is a broke one Hmm. okay because at the end of the day, if I'm going to grieve somebody's death, <laughs> if I'm going to grieve somebody's death, they, I want to grieve with a full bank account. Come if on. I'm going to leave some, if I'm going to leave someone with grief from my past, and I, I want you to grieve my past, mm-hmm. and I'd have that grief tied to resentment because I left you in a financial lurch. That's one of the things we don't like to talk about in our community, yeah. is that not every death, is ba- the grief of every death is not always based in people feeling sad that you're gone. Sometimes it's based in resentment from what you left them with. So from that perspective, we have to make sure that our final expenses are covered. But I think that insurance can do so much more. I've seen it. It's also a great way to transfer wealth. You know, I look at, you know, where I'm at in my life now and people I've been so fortunate to meet along the way, you know, people who created other successful businesses who are now my friends and neighbors and so on. And one of the things I've seen from a lot of them is that they use life insurance as a way to really transfer wealth to the next generation. They use life insurance as a way to give that next generation a leg up and a, and a push forward. I think that when we think about life insurance, I think there's such a limited perspective to only think about it from the point of view of, is this going to pay for my funeral? I think that the question is, for whoever is going to come behind you, children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, spouse, for that matter, what do you want their future and their legacy to look like? And how do you want to participate in that? Life insurance is a mechanism that can do that. And that's a very interesting way of looking at it. I actually was speaking with one of my writers for our website, Better Money Goals, and she's like an expert. She's been doing it for years. And she was like, yeah, Kenny, it's it's two basic terms. You've got your uh, term and then you've got your permanent. Life or permanent. Yeah. And so I was like, it's that simple? She was like, yeah. <laughs> With that being said, it, this is easy for people to actually start doing it in the sense if they wanted to do something on the side as like a side project. How, what would you recommend to people and how would they start uh, to do something like that if they wanted to get into the insurance game? Well, you know, the insurance business is probably one of the easiest businesses to go into especially relative to how lucrative um, it is. The way that I got into it and the way that I help other people to come into it is, first of all, you want to find a team that can 
that can not just show you how to get your license, because that's the easy part. I think mm-hmm. I studied for my licensing exam over the course of four days and took the test and passed it with flying colors. It's mm-hmm. not a very challenging process to get your license. But what's more important is, are you getting trained by someone who has created the level of success that you desire mm-hmm. to achieve? And I think that's one of the things that hurts so many people who come into this industry, is they get recruited by their cousin who signed up with XYZ Insurance Company, mm-hmm. who has a, a wonderful office in some strip mall somewhere, no shade to that, but I, you know, but there is some shade thrown in there, <laughs> you know? And this person is telling you, oh, I can help make you a millionaire. Have they done it for themselves Mm -hmm. yet? So to me, what I recommend is, first of all, identify a mentor, identify a leader in this company, in this industry, who's created the level of success that you desire to create, and then join their team. And literally, I say, do not innovate, imitate. Everything they teach you, do it. Everything they do, you do it. So you can replicate them within yourself. And that's what we do within our company. People join. You can join from any U.S. state. Once you come on board the team, we get you trained. We get you on board. We have trainings three to five days a week, depending on the week. And it's all designed to create a bunch of little MJ Harris's out there to teach you to sell exactly how I sell, to teach you to recruit like I recruit, so that you can utilize my success as the foundation to build whatever success you desire for yourself. Are you here uh, in Cali or are you in Arizona? Where are you at right now? I live in Los Angeles. I'm, I'm not at my primary home in Los Angeles at the moment. I'm out in the desert yeah. in California. Okay, so you're um, just, you know, having a little retreat. I see. Cause I've been, I've been watching your videos and I, I'm loving every single <laughs> aspect of it. Like you are giving me life, but Thank for the people so who much. are listening, when it comes to obtaining a license, is there one license that's more supreme over another when it comes to state or is it kind of all the same thing? Well, the way the life insurance licensing process works, and I can really only speak to the U.S., so I'm not exactly 100% on, on how the processing works in other countries, uh, so I don't want to give anyone um, misinformation. Yeah. But within the U.S., it is so straightforward. You, um, you would join a company like ours. You can do that at joinnationalcare.com. And then in doing that, what I recommend to people is that you take a pre-licensing course. This is like an online course that's literally designed to teach you how to pass your state Mm. test. Um, We recommend a vendor, but there are many of them out there that you can take. And then most of those vendors, if you just sit down and dedicate a weekend, you'll get through the material pretty easily. You then take the test. Um, Once you get your test in your resident state, so in our case, California would be our resident state, then let's say that you say, well, I got some family and friends. I got some family in Arizona. I got some family in Texas. I got some family in New York or friends. Well, I want to sell insurance to I just, or I have clients there, period. You can then register your license in those other states and get this. You don't have to take another licensing exam. Mm. Your license essentially has reciprocity into these other states. So you literally are able to build a national business. And we help with that because a lot of people say, well, how am I going to get clients? Yeah. We have programs that can give people access to nationwide insurance leads. So let's say you live in Kentucky, but you but there's a huge amount of people in Texas who want to buy insurance. You don't have to step foot in Texas. We provide you with access to those leads, usually in real time. So when they call in or write in to say, I want to buy insurance, it's routed directly to you if you signed up for those leads. You can call them and close them. Literally, you just handing people the cake. We so. really are. I say I like to make it easy for people to make money and make it even easier for them to spend it. And that's what we do. Since we're talking about making money, making money during COVID, would you say that right now is a good time for people to also not only get into the game, but also buy life insurance when it comes to COVID-19? 
Do you see that your numbers are spiking up? I would up? say so. Yeah. I would definitely say so. I mean, for very practical reasons, I definitely think there's the, the, the time to buy life insurance. Now, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom to say, oh, be afraid of dying of COVID or anything else. But I do think that what's going on in the world is a very clear reminder to us that mortality is real. So I think there's a great time to buy it. I, I can certainly say for myself that I've been increased insurance on some of my family members. And of course they have to be consenting to that, but you know, they know that if something happens to them, I'm the one who's going to step in and I just want to make sure I have the resources to do so. But in terms of coming into the industry, let me tell you this. I have not seen sales this high since I've been in the insurance industry, even during the highest heights of economic growth under the Obama administration, because that was the last time we really saw big growth, or even earlier in the current administration when we had big, big growth. I have yet to see sales like this. Mm. It is enough from a sales perspective. What's going on in the world is terrible, but from a sales perspective, so I would tell people, if we can do this well in a pandemic, in a recession that seems to even be bordering on a depression, depending on how long this goes, imagine what happens when the economy goes back to where it was before or better, so often it rebounds bigger and better. So for me personally, from my experience, obviously results are not, we cannot guarantee anyone and we're not, anything, and we're not making any claims yeah, or warranties. But what I can say is from my own experience and my own bank balance, I have seen for myself and for many of my team members that this time period has been our own personal gold rush. Obviously, you guys don't only deal with just life insurance. You have a, a whole plethora of other things from retirement. And when we talk about finance and building wealth, a lot of people are really uncomfortable when it comes to money. And sometimes, you know, I'll hear people say, well, if I only had $10 million or $20 million, <laughs> then I'll be just good. Right. But it's not even about how much money you have, because people that we know that start from zero and end up with a billion dollars or more. And then we know people who have won the lottery, $300 million, and they end up with zero. So it's really about the mindset yep. that we have and we have to kind of change the way in which we see our money and how we are spending our money. What tips would you give to people who are looking to level up when it comes to their spending? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I always say, and I know this may be a sort of an unorthodox mindset, but it's worked for me now. And I teach people from the body of experiences work. I'm not a big person on promoting cutting your expenses. Mm -hmm. Now, let me obviously provide some context for that. Let's say that your monthly expenses between rent, everything, comes out to $5,000, right? Which in, in California, that's no one's living at that level. It's very challenging. It's, you know, depending on where you live, I mean, that's very challenging to live with 5000 But let's say that that's your experience. So 10000 whatever your number is, there's only but so many ways you can cut back. Mm -hmm. Rent ain't going down no time soon. Car note isn't either. Food certainly isn't going down. Utilities isn't. There's only but so many ways you can cut back. But how far up you can go in terms of income is unlimited. Mm -hmm. And so what I recommend to people is, of course, start by identifying within your expenses where are some areas that you can cut back. Can you contact the phone company and negotiate a lower phone rate? A yeah. tip I always give people is threatening to, can threatening to cancel services, and people magically find discounts for mm -hmm. you. Won't they so do it? If we do something on that side. <laughs> you go go somewhere else. And so, um, and they'll cut it. But do that. But the real goal is to identify where can I make more money? Now, here's what I want to encourage you to think about when it comes to your money. We got to get out of this mindset of passion, 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 this Pollyanna mindset that you shouldn't do it unless you're passionate about it. No, 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 no. 
when you're trying to transform your financial situation, it's not about doing what you want to do, it's doing what you have to do. And with that said, I am very transparent about telling people when I came into the insurance industry, it was not because I had dreamed as a child of being an insurance broker. I came into it because of the mechanism to make high amounts of income and help a large number of people at the same time. So I could go to sleep at night feeling good about helping people, but also feeling good about having a full bank account. And so with that understood, I tell people, find something that can bring you cash flow, additional cash flow for right now so you can start building your pot, your pot being that financial reserve that you can then use to invest in creating a business or, or investments that do appeal more to your passion. But it starts with identifying what is a way that I can start bringing in some cash flow right now so that I can begin to improve my financial circumstances. And so for the people who are unemployed, some who are just underemployed, you know, they have a job that they're going to, but it's not a full 40 hours that they're working. Their hours have been cut because some people say, look, I just don't know MJ. I don't know what I could do. What would you suggest to them as little side projects that they could possibly do? You know, I'm always a strong proponent for gigs. So if you have a car, I always say lease it out on Turo or use it for Uber. Well, I mean, I'm obviously biased heavily towards the insurance industry just because (laughs) it's something I believe almost anyone can learn and do. Uh And it's it's extremely lucrative. And I would say that that's a consideration that I would say to make. Another area is I would say even if it's not directly an insurance, look at some form of commissionable sales where you are getting a dollar or a piece of a dollar every time someone sends, sends money for you selling a product and or a service. Here's the thing. Good economy, bad economy, people are always buying. Mm-hmm. If you are willing to position yourself as an advocate and intermediary to between a certain market of people and a product or service that they that they need and or want, that is a great way to make money. You know, when people say, well, I'm not a salesman. I don't have the gift of gab. Well, often the salesmen who have the gift of gab are the, have the lowest commissions because people don't want to have somebody running their mouth 24-7. You see? Yeah. And so... Uh, so if you are that quiet type, that introverted type, that listener, baby, you're going to sell better than everybody else because everybody, because people want to trust you more than the polished person who runs their mouth for a half hour straight. Mm-hmm. So I would say look at options for how you can move into sales. The beautiful thing right now is that with a lot of online companies out here, they offer what we call affiliate programs, which a lot of us just kind of overlook them, yeah. where they'll pay you a percentage on what you can make. I'll tell you this. There was um, a software company that helps insurance producers, right? Mm-hmm. I chose to years and years and years ago, before I had a big following, I promoted this company in one of my videos. Over time, even without a big following, one month I made a thousand dollars. Next month I made this much. I mean, at this point, it's thousands and thousands of dollars that come in because the videos have grown in popularity. But this was an old video that I shot in my little tiny apartment, you know, <laughs> And it was producing income even back then. So being creative around saying, hey, is there a company that sells a product or service that I know my family and friends love to buy? Go to that company's website and look up, do they have an affiliate program? And then you get to marketing at that company. Make money with that company. Exactly. And that's how a lot of, you know, social media influencers or bloggers, you know, they they add certain things onto their website for people to click on and they promote. And sometimes, you know, I even do it. Sometimes you choose a specific brand Mm -hmm. that you're passionate about or a brand that matches your company or whatever it is that you do. And you promote that product and that service and you get paid from it. And sometimes, you know, they offer pretty good commissions. I don't know if, if National Care offers an affiliate program, but, you know, that would definitely be something that people could look into to and definitely see if that's something that they could actually push and to make extra money on the side. 
Yeah, you know, that's actually, timing is so perfect. We're actually adding an affiliate program because right now, our what's affiliate for us is that once you sign up to sell life insurance, if people join our company to sell through us, they're placed under your downline, so therefore you make money on all mm-hmm. their sales. But we can only pay this to licensed people because it's based on sales. But we're adding some additional products and services that support insurance producers. And in doing that, because it's not directly to, connected to the sale of insurance where the money's coming from, we are now able to create an affiliate program where anybody can make money from helping national care grow, regardless if they're in the continental United States or not. So we're so excited about adding that um, those different products and services. And so you're not only this badass CEO and financial advisor, insurance mogul, but what I've been noticing a lot is you give really good relationship advice. Like, let's just be let's just be honest. You give really good relationship advice. How did you fall into that category? Is it just your personal experiences? Well, yes, I would say, but I think one of the things that, that is probably not necessarily known widely about me is that's where I started out back in the day, probably 12, 13 years ago now on YouTube. And I was a comedic storyteller who did videos that were always, it always had some form of relationship advice tied into it, rather than romantic, friendship, family, whatever it was. But I always told it through the form of a funny story. I always knew I was funny. And that was always a good way to get people to sort of listen to hard lessons was to make them laugh. Mm -hmm. Over time, I, I was doing it while I was in corporate America. I realized really quickly that I was not going to be able to get out of corporate America doing videos on YouTube. Back then, it wasn't as lucrative as it is right now to do videos on these platforms. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't making a dime. <laughs> so I got an insurance license as a way to earn extra money so that I could get out of my full-time job. I never imagined that the videos and the advice would end up becoming a product and a company of its own. Mm-hmm. I just It was just an outlet, something fun to do. And, you know, the basis of my advice is it really does come from personal experience. I tell everyone any day of the week, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a life coach. I am simply someone who's had experiences and who's very transparent and completely raw and unfiltered about sharing those experiences and the lessons that came out of them. And if the if the lessons apply to you, fine, take them. If they don't apply to you, but you just enjoy listening because they're funny, do that too. But one way or the other, I'm simply sharing my very transparent experiences, hoping that somebody may gather a lesson from it. And you know what's so unique is I honestly, from some of my followers that listen to the podcast, I got like four or five requests to interview you, right? Like they were requesting like, hey, you really? should. Yeah, which is so weird. And the thing that actually made me jump, because, you know, we have a like a list of people who were coming up. And so I like to add to that list. But the thing that really pushed it and made me jump was my sister. She was like the last person to actually send me another request for you saying you should interview. And I was like, okay, look, all the the stars are lining up for this. I think I might have to just reach out to MJ because, you know, I know who you are, but a lot of other people were just like, okay. I told my team, I was like, hey, we've got to have MJ on the show. What's your sister's name? Her name is Dana. Dana, thank you so much, best friend. I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, strong, strong promoter. So I appreciate everyone, including my sister. But I love how you are, yeah. uh, like I said, a, just a, a whole wealth of knowledge, health and wellness. You're very fit. Also, balance life well, it looks like, with work, especially with your nephew. Yeah. So, you know, balance is something that I've, that I've had to learn over the years, and I'm continuing to sort of refine that lesson in my life. Some days are better than others. 
But yeah, I do. I would say my nephew is a huge driving force for that. I'm raising my nephew. Uh, he's 17 now. He is probably one of the greatest joys in my life. With him, it is such a huge source of balance for me because right now, literally, he's sitting in the dining room um, <laughs> doing his doing his schoolwork because we do homeschooling. Nice. When he, he takes a break every every 45 minutes to an hour, I come out, he reviews his lesson and what he learned, and then we plan for the next hour. And it's so beautiful having him here. That's actually one of the reasons why we're out in the desert right now is just to get a break, but also just because the property out here is, has a lot, just allows us to enjoy one another a lot more. You know, we've got yeah. the pool, we have a lot of stuff here that we just don't have. And in L.A. at the house, it just creates an incentive for me to say, or, and a motivation for me to say, you can't, you don't work 50 hours this week or don't work 60 hours this week. Have some balance so you can give him time. And then giving him time is refueling me as well. And I just think balance is so important because I've been doing this for 12 years in terms of being on camera. It can be very draining and you mm-hmm. can burn out yeah. with the level of demands that are placed on you, knowing that every moment of every day someone wants something from you. For me to survive this very abundant experience, I've had to learn how to shut it off and how to create balance in my life. It's been a necessity. Yeah. So having him here is a great motivating factor for me. I literally love how you have lessons in everything. I think the video that I watched and the, let me think of what kind of car it was. I forgot what kind of car it was, but it was the, the, the G wagon. -wagon. Yeah, it was G wagon. But I I understood that concept very clearly. What you were saying about how you need to sometimes use something like that to help motivate and inspire and get them thinking differently. You know, for folks who haven't seen it yet, what I did was I pranked my nephew. He loves a G-Wagon. We have some neighbors who have one. And and he said, oh, I want that kind of car. I want that kind of car. And so I surprised him and act like I got him a G-Wagon. Only to let him know, no, this isn't your car, but this is a motivating factor for you to work so you can get it. He's about to graduate high school. My advice is to do things for yourself that allow you to get motivated. For me, you know, I used to, when I remember when I first moved to L.A. and I was really struggling financially at the time, just being a new business owner and not really making enough to pay myself and just, it was rough. Every Sunday, go on to Trulia or Redfin and look up high-end open houses. And I wasn't looking for no million-dollar house. I wanted the $14, 15000000 million one. Mm-hmm. And I would go out and go to those open houses. Occasionally, I'd go test drive cars. You know, at night, I would sit up and go to websites for different things that would inspire me. And it wasn't about materialism. What it was about was physical things that reminded me of the lifestyle that I wanted to live Mm -hmm. um, for myself. And that's what I chose to do. And it was something that just really motivated me a lot. And, And even now with him, every night before we go to bed, we sit outside and we meditate and we do it's, it's creative visualization, yeah. picturing the life that you want, picturing the things you want. We do it every single night without fail because I recognize that it is so necessary to do that because if you don't, you will begin to believe that your current circumstances and your current surroundings really are all that there is on this earth. And you will forget that there are people who live different and that different is possible for you as well. Health and wellness is also something really important to you. Obviously, like I said earlier, you're extremely fit. You just talked about meditation with you and your nephew. Uh, What other things do you guys do and what other points would you give to people who are looking to become more whole with health? Well, I, I 
I'm supposed to work out five days a week. And normally it's looking about three to four, just to be quite honest. Like today, we I do it virtually now because of everything going on with COVID. Yeah. Um, and but he, my trainer called me up on FaceTime because we do we just put I just put the face put the camera phone on a chair and and do it there. And you doing it like um, Naomi? And yeah, yeah. Just go ahead and just make it simple. He hit me up and he says he's like, hey, and I'm like, listen, I just woke up. I'm tired. I'm not doing it today. And so we were sitting there, a little conversation, and caught up with each other. But, you know, what I try to do is I try to just barely make sure that if nothing else, three days out the week, I'm doing something that makes me sweat for at least a half hour. It has been tremendous for me. I mean, yes, aesthetically it matters. I say if I look like Shrek, people wouldn't buy shit from me. But <laughs> beyond that, what it does for me is it allows me to feel good about the way that I look. And I think when you feel good about the way you look, it does affect your confidence. I don't care what anyone says. It affects your confidence. For me, it matters. Also, as I get older, I'm very aware that I'm more open with myself for the fact, you know, that anxiety is something I've struggled with. I didn't know I was struggling with it. I just thought, oh, I was a, you know, you just, you just think a lot. You just, wor- you just worry war, whatever people tell you. What I realized was that sometimes anxiousness is just pent up energy that needs to be released. And so me working out and me doing things physical allows me to process out the anxiety that can just come with life. One of the other things I do, and I'm not here to promote this for people's lifestyle, I think people should do whatever works for them, is that I um, am very vocal about the fact that I do not drink. I do not do any drug of any kind. I don't do nothing against marijuana, but I don't do that either. I take like CBD oil. We're twins. I don't do any of that either. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I, I haven't met many people like me. That's interesting. Doesn't it make you feel good? Yeah. You know, like well, I've, you never, feel I've never it's had a it before. I've never had it. So I don't know what it is. No, I've never had it. I've never smoked and I've never drank alcohol. So I don't know what it feels like to be uh, on that level. You know, I've always just been, I've just never wanted to do it. I'm not some sort of prude. I just never well, you've wanted not to missed do it. Out on much. You've <laughs> never missed out on much because when you're doing that stuff, you may end up making choices that you're not proud of the next day. Um, the next day, you got to get your body's got to get it out of its system and it doesn't always feel good. It affects your productivity. And I can tell you, just knowing the contrast between the two, mm-hmm. I prefer living like you and I live, which mm-hmm. is not putting those types of things in my body because it also improves the way that I think. Yeah. And so I tell people, if it's something that they want to consider doing, you see you see us both and we clearly are doing quite well for ourselves and alcohol and drugs are not a part of our life. So use us as a testimony of what's possible. Yeah. And, you know, some people say, well, Kenny, it's just because you like to always be in control. And I was like, well, you, you got damn right. I like to be in control. Yeah. Uh, I do like to control my body and myself and I like to be fully aware and fully present of what's going on and what's going on around me. So, you know, for me, that was one of the reasons. And I felt so bad when I turned 21. My friends had took me to a restaurant and they had I want to say they had purchased at least, oh my God, $600 worth of alcohol. And I did not have not one sip. Every morning that I wake up, what my high is, is motivation. I watch motivational videos. So I I listen to um, Mm -hmm. uh, Lisa Nichols and Les Brown. It gives me that pump that I need for the day. I'm being very transparent with folks and maybe someone out there will maybe hear themselves in, in this part of my own experience. When I was drinking, I didn't always, I wasn't always the person that I liked. And it wasn't, I was never some kind of belligerent drunk or anything like that. That wasn't my experience. I didn't drink to that kind of extreme. But what I can say is that I was drinking as often as a Band-Aid to dealing with the core issue. So picture this. I'm going to a networking event or something to grow my business. You know, I'm somewhere in L.A. at some party or something where I can meet people. Mm-hmm. And because of the fact 
that I naturally am pretty introverted, which is hard for a lot of people to believe because of my work on camera. I would use alcohol as a way for me to feel comfortable. Just a little cocktail. Just a little cocktail mm. when I came in the room. It made me feel comfortable. Here's the problem with that. While I would feel comfortable, so to speak, what I wasn't doing was I wasn't cultivating my relationship with my full self. Mm. Because whenever I was in a circumstance where I need to socialize and and really could benefit from letting my own natural light shine, alcohol was what was motivating me to do it. And alcohol was coloring my personality, not necessarily in a negative way, but it was in a way coloring in a way where you weren't able to see who I fully was. I couldn't really get to know my full self because I always had alcohol as that experience, a part of that experience. And so for me in taking the journey just to not drink, one of the things it did was it allowed me to go through the process, which was sometimes a little uncomfortable, of getting to know my own full beauty and my own full light and seeing how wonderful it is and how for me personally, alcohol dims my light mm. more than it makes it shine as bright as it is. So it was... So for me, I tell people, if you, for people out there, I say, if you really want to get to know yourself and see your full beauty, try, even if it's just for 30 days, getting to know yourself without any other outside influence and then see how you feel about yourself and then decide if you want to go back to drinking. If you can give some tips and tricks before we uh, end on how to network. Make sure that you never ask this question when you first meet someone. Never ask them, will you be my mentor? Let me tell you why that's a problematic question and why it, mm-hmm. might, and why it actually may be counter, counterproductive to your goal of being able to learn through this person. Because when you say that to someone, especially someone who's busy or very successful, and if they're successful, they're probably busy. Um, <laughs> what that's doing, what that person hears is, can, can I be a time commitment for you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and people don't want that. People, most successful people, I, well, actually it's for myself. And I, I, I'm sure that a lot of folks feel the same way. The more successful you you become, the more you are looking for, how can I make more money doing less work? Because I've spent so much damn energy to get to this point that I'm getting older, I'm tired, and I don't want to work like this no more. I don't want to add anything to my plate unless it's necessary. What ends up happening is that you hear those those requests and, and you have the deepest desire to help people and pay it forward, but you just don't have the energy to do that. And so one of the things I recommend to people when it comes to networking is, first of all, focus on relationship building, not mentorship. Don't mention that word. Mentorship will come through relationship. Just do pure exposure to someone in a consistent way. You will gain mentorship from them. Um, So don't focus on mentorship. Focus on relationship building. Also, make sure it is a two-way street. When you come to someone that's not about, can you mentor me? Can you mentor me? Can you pour into me? It's a matter of coming to them and say, hey, you know, Kenny, I really love what you're doing. I love what you're doing in every space. And here's some skills I believe that I have that could be brought to the table to help you grow your business in, in, within your endeavors. I, you know, I don't care if it's nothing. If it's just I can I can organize your your um your supply closet at your office. <laughs> it is some skills I have. And can I? Is it possible for me to do that? You know, if it's just one day a week and and just just to get exposure to you, yeah. find a way to add value. Because if you can add value to someone's life, they will create room in their life for you, which will create room for a relationship, which will produce that very mentorship that you're looking for. Yeah, or more. You know, or that might just be that yeah. side job that turns into something full time that you might start doing. So that's a great way of looking at it. I call it a relationship currency. I'm not sure if you've. I like that term. I never heard it. Relationship currency. 
Before I started doing this, I used to work for the city and county of San Francisco. That was my nine to five job. And I basically had two positions there. One was leading health and wellness and the other one was like an operations position where I would oversee almost all city departments. I learned that building a good relationship currency with people who I wanted to be in the room with so I could learn from was most important because my work was only going to speak for one or two things, but I needed to build that relationship currency. So when I wasn't in the room, the people who were making the decisions would say, hey, you know, Kenny, they would speak for me. So oftentimes building that relationship currency has so much intrinsic value to it. And so that's why you'll see, you know, Todd, who works pretty hard, but he also goes out with the boss to play golf because he's building more relationship mm-hmm. currency. I, I, I just, I, that resonates with me so much just because the people who I do the most business with are people that I have some form of a, a non-business relationship with. It's not that, mm-hmm. that we, we, you know, we keep the boundaries there at where are needed, but we still, I know this person beyond just who they are as a professional. I know them as a person. Yeah. And that yeah. makes me, even when I'm, when I'm building new companies, I say, well, how can I include so-and-so? Mm-hmm. In this, because they're my friend, or they're just somebody I'm connected. So I'm looking for ways to bring them along the road with me because we've got that relationship and I want them there. But before we end, what advice, it could be any lasting advice that you would, you just want to give to people? Yeah, I think the best advice I can give to anyone is to know that you are limitless. I don't care what your race is, I don't care what your sexual orientation is, your religion, color, it doesn't matter what, what it is, your handicap. You're limitless. Whatever challenges you believe that you are facing that hold you that you believe holds you back from the life that you desire to live, just know that there's someone else who's taken those challenges and stood on those challenges. They've walked around those challenges or they have eviscerated those challenges by getting new skills and new resources that can help them to, to have those challenges not even be an issue for them. And so when I say you're limitless, I don't, I'm not saying that your path is, that everyone's path is going to be just as easy. Let's be very clear. Certain people have certain privilege. Certain people have certain opportunities. You may be one of those people. You know, you have certain privileges and based on your own background and experiences and a number, another, a number of other factors. But what I am saying is that although the road may not be fair or equal for everyone, the road is still there. And it's up to you to decide that this is the road I want to go down and to choose to go down it, go down it unapologetically and consistently and with focus and just know that as you go down this road, there may be individuals, there may be um, habits that are in your life, there may be things going on that you're going to have to remove so you can continue to move down that road with the same level of ease. Everybody can't come with you, including your old self. You may have to let go of your old self and discover Mm. who the new you is who's actually capable of going down this path. What I'm saying is this, knowing that you are limitless also means accepting that you are willing to make whatever change is possible. You're willing to make limitless changes possible to yourself, to your surroundings, and to your mindset until you are at the point that you desire to get to. A very special thanks to my guest for joining me today. You can find more information about this interview on my website at kennyjtoday.com. Also, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. If you're looking for more money advice, visit bettermoneygoals.com. It's a personal finance website that provides great tips and tricks on how to maximize your money. Because the truth is, we only live once. Why not live well?